Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CC Delco podcast. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we aim to go deeper than we can on a Sunday morning on a wide variety of topics. Today's episode is with Senior Pastor Bob Deglione and Anna Walker-Roberts, our Extension Campus Director over in our Ardmore location, and today they're talking about Catholicism. We know a lot of people listening right now might have a Catholic background, Pastor Bob had a Catholic background, and this is an incredible discussion asking a lot of the questions that all of us might have. So we encourage you, sit back, listen up, and be blessed. So, Bob, you've been the pastor here for 27 years, and the Calvary Chapel churches use um, a methodology of teaching where you go verse by verse through the Bible. And um, yet you came out of a very different kind of teaching growing up. You were in Catholicism, involved with Catholicism. Can you just explain a little bit about your background with being Catholic? Yeah, so I think um, every time you go down this road, uh, people think that uh, as non-denominational Christians, we're going to bash the Catholic Church. But I want to say that, um, you know, as I look at, at my path, um, I think God has a path for everyone. And so I think, I think there are seeds being planted um, in you as a child your entire life. I, I remember uh, your, where I lived was predominantly Catholic. I mean, we would see a church that wasn't Catholic, and we wonder what do people do in there. And there was one church that used to put Bible phrases up, which we were very unfamiliar with. I mean, we heard the gospel segments in church, but we didn't read Bibles, and we didn't even have a Bible in my house. But I would see this John 3, 3, unless a man be born again, he'll never see the kingdom of God, and just always would wonder what that verse meant. And then when I became a believer, it I remembered it. But I want to say this. Um, you know, the Catholic Church has done tremendous things. So I was preaching in Nairobi, and um, I was preaching a three-day uh, conference, and there was a day we had to take off because the Pope was there and all the roads were shut down. And uh, I looked at one of the men who was with me in the conference, and he said, well, you know, this is strange because you guys are tied to Britain, which is Protestant. Why is the Pope here? And he said, because they started 15,000 schools. So you're talking about one of the great, charitable outreaches of all time, uh, even here in the Philadelphia area, like Boston, New York City, and so many places, Chicago, uh, you know, people labored to build schools, of which I'm a part of, and churches, and really, uh, the idea was to take immigrants uh, who were new to the United States and really to amalgamate them into culture uh, as professionals. You know, in grade school, we wore ties, and and so... Uh, I am thankful for what produced me. I'm not here to bash Catholics. Now I'm just trying to picture you in a tie and realizing <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen so you I, in So I one. couldn't tie a tie, so I had the clip on, thank God. <laughs> That's good. I'll get you that for your birthday, a new clip on tie. <laughs> um, so kind of contextualizing why we feel like it's important to have a podcast about Catholicism. So at our church, sometimes you'll ask in the middle of a service, uh, did anybody grow up Catholic? Is anybody Catholic? And probably more than half of people would raise their hands and say they either grew up Catholic or had some kind of interaction with the Catholic Church. Um, so straight, just straight question. Are Catholics Christians or not? Yeah, so, so most Catholics would wonder about that question. I, I remember 
hearing about Christianity, and I would ask my parents, but I thought we're Catholic. Um, so naturally, in the large umbrella of Christianity, Catholics would be there. When you talk about maybe one to two billion Christians, Catholics are in that number. But this is how I like to explain it. When people say, oh, well, you convert it from Catholicism. Well, no, I had a conversion. And see, th- this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road. And this is what's very hard or what differentiates at least the Bible from Catholicism is the Bible sets up a narrative very clearly that we all like sheep have gone astray. Right? Paul writes that in the book of Romans. There are, there are none good, no, not one. Uh, we were led by Satan to do his will. We were blinded by the things of this world. Uh, but when the richness of God entered in, so, so though the Catholic Church would have sacraments to get you there in their theology, I had a conversion experience. So I grew up in an area where there weren't as many Catholics in Texas, and I had a few friends growing up that were Catholic, but it certainly wasn't as prevalent. And so it wasn't really until I got older that I understood some of the differences between Protestant Christianity and Catholicism, like the Apocrypha or praying to Mary or saying the rosary, going to confession. Can you kind of address where those things come from in the Catholic Church? Yeah, so this is a longer discussion, but people are just trapped in the now, okay? So if you have any understanding of the Bible or even extra-biblical literature, everybody knows that Babylon sacked Israel, Jerusalem, brought, brought the captives there. Anybody who knows anything about Babylon knows that they were into the black arts and tarot card readings. It's not that difficult. Even in the Bible, it says the cabinet of Nebuchadnezzar were soothsayers. The magi that came from the east, that comes from the word magicians. They looked at stars and such. So Babylon is overthrown by Persia, and the Babylonian cult moves a little westward. Then Greece overthrows them. It moves to Greece. And then into Rome, by the time you get to the churches in Revelation, which represented seven physical churches and probably seven types of churches of all time, at Pergamos, Jesus said, "This is I have this against you, that, that the throne of Satan is there. And, and from everything we've excavated from Pergamos, the Babylonian cult found its way there. So you asked about some of these differences in... Catholicism, well, they don't come out of Scripture, and they certainly weren't a practice we see in the book of Acts or the early church. Uh, There's no doubt that Mary comes from Babylon. The whole idea of the queen of heaven uh, and her son was totally within uh, the Babylonian system of worship, and that's easily, uh, you're able to study that. Uh, Priests began to dress differently from the laity. Somewhere about 500 A.D., the veneration of angels praying for the dead, about 375. The Mass, uh, 394, there had never been a Mass until that time. Uh, the Pope is the universal bishop, 600 A.D. We can get in a, a lot of discussion about what that is. Kissing the Pope's feet began in 709 A.D. That was really a pagan custom. Um, canonization of saints, especially those who are dead, came from Pope John the 15th, that was like 995. Uh, fasting on Fridays, 998. The rosary, prayer beads, uh, comes in about 1090 AD. Um, and 
confession of sins, that's 1215. Even the assumption of Mary, uh, I don't think many Catholics would understand, is like uh, 1950. So uh, this has been a long and continuous road where most of the stuff you can't find anywhere in Scripture. Yeah, so if I if I am a non-Catholic, which I am, and I'm trying to maybe understand living now in Philadelphia in this area, how to kind of relate to Catholics, what my posture or heart should be in those conversations, like what's your advice for someone like me? Yeah, so I came up with a word, more. I try to tell Catholics there's something more because there was something missing. Now, you can go to any church and something's missing. Maybe you're not listening. Maybe whatever is going on you're not interested in, but... We always knew there was something more, and what there was more of was the Word of God. And and not only the physical Word of God, the Bible, but Jesus is the Word. We find that in John, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And so we were never introduced to a personal relationship with God. We were never introduced to the Scriptures. Um, so, so I would tell Christians there's something more. Uh, the person who introduced me to Christ, uh, we were watching some current events on TV where he said, this is back in the late 80s, he said, you know, this isn't the way things are going to work out in the end times. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, did you ever read the Bible? And see, the reason this is important, and I had not read the Bible in the 12 years of Christian school, is because basically it's either the Bible or tradition. And Jesus said, when you have tradition, he said this to the Pharisees, you make the word of God null and void. And I think a lot of Catholic teaching, that's what it does. It makes the word of God null and void. And so I would say we were malnourished. And, you know, in a few minutes, I'll get into the whole concept of really what is salvation? That's a huge construct. To kind of push you in that direction of what is salvation. So in the Catholic Church, you would go through a process called confirmation, where you learn a lot of different elements about your faith. And then at a certain age, what what age is it? Yeah, I mean, so I've been through all the sacraments and I forget. It's somewhere around (laughs) fourth grade. or And listen, I understand the sacramental steps, right? I don't agree with baptism as a baby, but I understand that was a way of maybe... Consecrating yourself. Yeah, like we would do a baby dedication. And I understand, you know, the the Eucharist, again, that's something peculiar to to the Catholic Church as we would look at it. But I understand at a certain age you have to make a decision because we have kids here who make decisions, but it doesn't click. And like, so I, I get all that. But somewhere, I don't think the recipient gets it. Because I certainly, I mean, I memorized pages and pages for confirmation. I had no idea what I was doing. The question is, you asked earlier, are Catholics Christians, can you find salvation in the Catholic Church? And what I mean by salvation and conversion is this. Can you say, I was lost and now I'm found? This idea that we're all born God's children, yes, we are all God created every human being. But in the Gospel of John, it says, as many as received Christ, he gave the power to be called children or sons of God. And so what is conversion? In the Catholic Church, it's good works. You ask the the average Catholic, are you going to heaven? They'll say, yeah, I was a good person. Um, 
God's going to judge on the curve. I, I'm not Hitler. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't do this or that. And I think as Protestants and those of us who cling to Scripture, uh, we hold on to what Paul writes so beautifully in Ephesians 2 where he said, uh, once you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, that would be Satan, and the spirit that now works in the sons of, of disobedience, and we were all children of wrath, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love by which he loved us sent Christ. Now, that's what God did for us, but it has to be applied, and that's why Paul goes on to write in verse 11, therefore, uh, you know, we were once Gentiles and all, um, but but he says here that for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So today, my conversion was all about the grace of God and what he has done. All my works are as filthy rags. Uh, now, faith works. Now that I have faith, I produce works, but I'm not counting on my works. I'm counting on grace. Hmm. Yeah, I've been walking with a, a dear friend who grew up Catholic and um, a few years ago realized he had not experienced salvation and was presented with the gospel message and gave his life to Christ, experienced this conversion from um, going to a church to being the church himself and having a relationship with Jesus. And there's a number of questions we've kind of been walking through. So I want to throw some of them at yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Eucharist specifically. Uh, I also found myself in a conversation with um, a Catholic artist earlier this year about this who was encouraging me that I'm missing out on experiencing Jesus because I don't take the Eucharist each week. Now, this is an interesting year for sure to be talking about that weekly rhythm of communion. Many churches have been closed. Many Catholics couldn't take communion weekly. What is the difference in like the Protestant Catholic relationship with the Eucharist and communion? Yeah, I told a series of messages one time, what Protestants can learn from Catholics, what Catholics can learn from Protestants. I think something Catholics can learn from, um, something Protestants can work, learn from Catholics is I think maybe we undervalue communion in Acts chapter two. It said they broke bread daily. That was communion. Um, so they did it a lot more than we did. Now, Paul in first Corinthians 11 says as often as you do it. So he never put a mandate on it. Um, but here's what Catholics can learn from Protestants in Catholicism. We have a thing. There's, there's a thing called transubstination, which means that wafer is turning into the real body of Christ. Um, it takes a priest to do it. I don't know if every Catholic knows that. Therefore, he has special powers. That's why when you're in a Catholic church and the, the host is in a monstrance, you kneel when the monstrance is opened. So there's kind of an elevation or a worship of this wafer. Um, so the mask becomes a place where Jesus literally dies every time. Now, Scripture says Christ died once for our forgiveness. He doesn't die daily. However, uh, there may be something more mysterious to communion than we allow. Um, so maybe as Protestants, we should value it some more um, in some mystical sense. You know, when Jesus said, unless you eat my 
body and drink my blood, you have no place in me. And Jews who were really sketchy about that all departed. And Jesus said to his disciples, are you guys leaving too? Notice what they said, though. Only you have the words of eternal life. It was the words, again, not a wafer. Jesus said, unless, unless, unless I have all of you. So, so I think people that cling to the Eucharist, it could be two things. One, the Catholic Church has really made that a hard thing to depart from. Uh, or maybe they have a special bond, but I think they've got to take a deeper dive and see what it is that's holding them to that. Um, the next one would be praying to saints and or praying to Mary versus in Protestantism, just praying to God through Jesus, the Holy Spirit, etc. What is your explanation or word around praying to saints? Should we do it? Should we not? Why? Etc. Well, Mary's actually the bigger problem. Um, so for years, uh, we would say to Catholics that Mary's been elevated to the place of a co-redemptrix. So in Catholic theology, because she bore Christ, uh, they actually made her sinless. Most Catholics get this wrong. They think the, the Immaculate Conception is Jesus born without sin. It's actually Mary was born without sin because how could she have the Son of God? The problem there is you'd have to keep going back. Um, this holy thing that's in you, the angel said, will be born of the Holy Spirit. And this was the seed of the woman prophesied from Genesis chapter 3. So I was in the home of parishioners at our church, and they had a, they had a Catholic Bible there. Uh, they had just left the Catholic Church. I said, hey, can I see your Bible? And I started to read the Catholic Bible, and it was just written like today. It wasn't an old Bible. And it says, you know, as Catholics, uh, a lot of Protestants will tell you we don't believe in the Bible. We do. We encourage Bible reading. And I'm thinking, well, maybe a lot has changed. And I was very excited. But then I went to the back where they were explaining doctrine. And when it came to Mary, they said, in some mystical way, she is co-redemptrix. When I was in Rome... We were staying in a hotel that was a converted monastery. And, you know, the, the hotel's tricked up with coffee bars and stuff. So I'm kind of curious and I'm poking around. And, you know, I'm finding, you know, rooms where they have conferences. And I open this door into a giant church. And normally in a Catholic church, you would see Jesus on the cross or a blank cross or something like that. And as true as I'm sitting here, it was a statue of Mary about 100 feet tall very problematic in the you know when you go to a catholic funeral she's the queen of heaven um saints again nowhere in scripture praying to saints praying to the dead uh, none of this is in scripture jesus at times had to say mary my hour is not come and Mary, in her magnificence, says that her trust was in God, her Savior, and then we find her in the book of Acts, one of 120 in the upper room. So if she's the queen of heaven, why is she waiting for the Holy Spirit? So uh, those are some of my thoughts there. Um, with confession, I think this is an interesting one where I, I can certainly see things that the Protestant church could learn from Catholics. We oftentimes, I think, just kind of ignore confession completely. Um, but can you kind of break down the idea of do we need to go to someone and confess our sins as part of our faith? What should that look like? Oh, you just said it. The front part of it's so true. 
Oh, we really need to confess to one another. The Bible says that. Uh, trusted advisors, friends, people who have our back. Um, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. However, confession to a priest is beyond what we're talking about because people forget the back end. If you've never been Catholic, you wouldn't know this. But when you go into confessional, the priest absolves you of your sin. Now, the scripture does say whoever sin you absolve is absolved. But, but the context of that is that we have the freedom to bring people to Christ, and we can tell them, look, you're saved. We have the authority of heaven. Then the priest gives you a penance. Say ten Hail Marys, our fathers, do this, do that. Uh, again, the priest has become a mediator between man and God. And the book of Hebrews says there is no mediator except the man, Jesus Christ. So the beautiful thing is I go straight to God. I confess my sins to God. It doesn't mean I don't need a leader or a pastor, or but the, but the priest is an Old Testament construct. And by the way, the priest in the Old Testament was a butcher. That's about what he did. He offered blood sacrifices. Jesus offered himself once and for only. Yeah, that's a really good way to turn confession and the importance of it. It sounds like a theme that's coming out of everything that you're saying is the idea that going through the motions of something because you feel you should go through the motions of it is not enough. Like that's not what salvation means. And that could certainly be present in a Protestant or Catholic church. Definitely, There are people who come on a Sunday morning or whatever time they go and are going through a motion without having a relationship. Um, since we're specifically talking about Catholicism in this podcast, I'll ask it bent in that direction. If I'm Catholic and I'm sitting here wondering, listening to this podcast, am I saved or have I just been going through the motions? What should I do? Well, the first thing I would tell you is what I already said. There is something more. And then I would take everybody down this path. We were all born into something. So when I'm in Egypt... They all have Qurans on their dashboard of their car. They were born into Islam. I was born in the Catholicism. You were born in the Christianity. Some people were born in the atheism. But we all make our choice. There is a Holy Spirit. There's a God that loves us who's drawing us. He's not far from any one of us, Paul said. And he's, he's wooing us. In Revelation, you know, it says that God stands at the door and he knocks on our heart. So everybody gets an invitation. And what I would do is I would just put these cards on the table. Paul says that God has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment. So no one can talk me out of my conversion. Um, it was as real as real can get. And, and even on a bad day, I know the Holy Spirit lives what's inside of me. I wrestle with things. I wrestle with sin. Um, I never wrestled with sin before that. I, I think about God. He's on my mind. Uh, I know I've passed from death to life. Is there a line of demarcation? Now, I, I know for people that uh, maybe they were raised Christian, they, they can't find that place. But I, I think that place is somewhere for everyone. You know, does God speak to you through his word? Or are you, you know, th there are the people of God in every system. 
But where I would challenge you is, are you assured of your salvation? And I think the only assurance you're going to have is from the Scripture. Uh, Hebrew says, it's the anchor to our soul. Jesus said, God puts his word above his name. Heaven and earth will pass away. His, his word will never pass away. Jesus said, man lives by bread alone. Not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I would say the fact that if you had that question, you're on the right road. But, you know, people will spend a lot of time researching about cars before they buy one. They'll spend a lot of time researching large screen TVs before they buy one. Why in the world, in your one and only life, would you not look into eternity? Hmm. I know that this has been a, an area that you've been particularly passionate about over the years. You've mentioned whispers, maybe wanting to write a book someday that addresses some of these things. And you really enjoy having conversations with people who are in the midst of Catholicism or who have come out of it. Do you have any final words, like things that we didn't touch on today, that you would want anyone who's listening who is Catholic or has family members that, that are Catholic that you would want them to hear that they haven't heard? Yeah, uh, you know, there, there's this idea, are you going to trust God or are you going to trust the system? And and look, the world's changed with the internet and 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 everything at our fingertips. Look, don't be don't be under the tyranny of the now. I grew up Catholic, and there was a Catholic church. It looked like it was there forever, but now that you can travel, you can go to Rome. You can see this hierarchy. You have to ask yourself: Is this what God really intended? Um, you can look things up, and you can see where a lot of this came from. And through all of this, can you get to the person of Jesus Christ? Like I said, the Catholic Church has done a fantastic job. So. So we grew up in parishes, right? So every person in Philadelphia could say, I was part of St. Cecilia, St. William, St. Thomas. So for, you can ask anybody, they'll tell you. Just like where they, where what's, you know, these sections like Maniunk, and they're not, they're, they're on a, they're not on a map. It's not on your address. We all live in Philadelphia, but we either live in Maniunk or Fox Chase, and, and we know what parish we're in if you're Catholic. Parish means around the block. That's where the Catholic Church is. It was always around the corner. It's where you went every day. It was just there. So there's something about it like under, you know, the Cold War, we were proud to be Americans and we were fighting the Russians. So it's like you got to remove yourself from the club, the comfort, and you've got to go out on a limb and saying, if God is real, would he make himself known to me? And I think he will. And I think... Your greatest life is on the other side. To move from tradition to reality, I can't imagine living all these years without knowing the beauty of Scripture and seeing the kingdom of God. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. And up until the time I was 21, I never saw the kingdom of God. And now I see it as clear as I can see you. So there's something more out there. If you're Catholic, we're, we're not putting you down. We're not saying you're not a Christian. We're saying, would you do what all of us have done. Would you listen to the voice of God? Would you let him lead you? And then when he leads you, you'll have a decision to make. And if you make that decision, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not sure if you are saved and you want to experience that, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And usually that takes the form of praying some kind of a prayer to God um, where you you know confess that the, those things to him. Yeah, and I know this is where I would leave everybody. Um, 
when Jesus hung on the cross, the one thief said, remember me when you come into your glory. And Jesus said, this day you'll be in paradise. He never had the sacraments. He never had absolution of sin. Um, you know what he had? Faith. And some people will say, nah, it was a deathbed conversion. What else was he going to do? No. It says they both reviled Jesus. If you're the son of God, uh, get off the cross. You healed others. Heal yourself. Um, and he had to confess Christ before the other thief. So he had all the ingredients that you and I have. He even had the word of God. Because on the cross, it said, Jesus Christ, you know, King of the Jews. And mm -hmm. Pilate said, what I've written, I've written. And that's in the Bible. So he had so much less to go on than you and me, but he made the right choice. And the scripture you quoted is correct. And, you know, I think that's, that about seals it. That seals it. Thank you so much for this conversation today. We really enjoy getting to go deeper on this podcast than we would on a Sunday morning. Thank you for joining us. There are many more resources on our website, and we will see you next time on the CC Delco podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, head to ccdelco.com to stay up to date with all of our sermons, our resources, all the events that are going on at Calvary Chapel of Delaware County. We'll see you in our next episode, and we pray that you're blessed this week.